You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, good morning, River. I am so glad that you could join us today. And uh, I guess we are on week four of COVID-19. And uh, I'm praying for you and for your family and uh, all the challenges that we're facing. In fact, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that today. I feel like the passage that God has for us uh, at the very end of 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5 really speaks to how do we handle and how do we navigate difficult times. And, you know, there's a lot of strategies that people have and they can go, you know, there's various things that are that can be helpful for us. I love, for me, I love to go outside. I love the outdoors. If I'm, you know, just need to get away and recharge a little bit. Sleep's always nice too, if you know what I mean. Um, but, you know, most strategies that we employ really fall short in times like these. They're, they're band-aids when we need open heart surgery. They really don't give us the, 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 what we need for a long lasting peace and security and joy in that. Uh, and I'm watching as I'm listening and watching social media and talking with people and even reading some of the news. I just, I'm watching everybody struggle as they kind of grope to how do we how do we get stability how do we find security and hope in the middle of what's going on i even read uh, this so a usa today recently uh, quoted a woman as saying this she she had work but my understanding was is that some of her family had lost work and was beginning to feel like she may not be able to pay her rent and uh, i feel her pain but I want you to notice something what she said. She said this, she said, the government, I don't think, is realizing that people's mental health is in jeopardy. Because, and here's why, because of the lack of action that the government has taken and how long it took them to act. Now, I have no interest in, in trying to get into the political side, should government have done this or that or all of that. I, nobody really can, I think, really knows what should be done. But I really felt feel sorry for uh, this woman because she's putting her mental health into the hands of the government and even into the hands of the situation that she finds herself in. And so I want us this morning as we open God's word, does God give us something that's an anchor for our soul? Does God give us some strategies about how we can keep our head above water and how we can have hope in the midst of adversity that even if the difficult things are coming our way, that we don't have to stop everything and, and just say to, to do something that might give us hope and then to kind of go back. But God have us the ability to walk and to, to, to walk with our head high, as you, if you will. So I'm going to pray for us and uh, get your Bible out, if you would, and turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, if you have, are watching and you've never been to our church, don't, if you don't have a Bible, don't uh, worry about that. I'm going to read from it as well. But uh, let me pause and pray for us. Father, I am grateful to, for the privilege of joining in with everyone this morning. Lord, I'm grateful that in the middle of this adversity that there is hope and that there's hope in Jesus, there's hope in you. Lord, there's a lot we don't understand and things are beginning to heat up here in the capital region more. And, uh, but Father, I am grateful that we have this technology that we can share and encourage one another even in the middle of this. It's so obvious to me, God, that you're providing for uh, your people and, and for us. And so Lord, we're grateful for that. We praise you in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Read with me or listen to as I read from 1 Thessalonians 5. The Bible says this in verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. And here's why. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus 
for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. I'm going to share with you this morning just four kind of big things. There's, there's a lot of details in this passage that we could look at. In fact, there's like 10 or 15 specific things that, that we're challenged to do as followers of Jesus Christ. But I want to kind of boil those things down to four, and I'm really going to focus on a couple of them, two or three especially. So the first big thing I want us to notice is, is how do you keep your head above water? How do you how do you do that? I, I, I uh, saw the story not too long ago of a, of a, a uh, I think it was a college professor who was taking uh, some of his students on, uh, on a boat race, a, a sailboat race. And, uh, and it was kind of a regatta, and I think it was down the Atlantic Ocean, down off of Mexico or uh, off of uh, uh, Texas. And uh, I think the first day into their journey, their boat ended up capsizing. The keel had a crack in it and it let go and the boat immediately flipped over. In fact, the people who were down in the, in the berth area didn't even have a chance to get out. Uh, I believe four out of five of them made it out. Three of them had life jackets. And, uh, and they, as they clung to those life jackets and as they held the fourth one among themselves, so they all stayed afloat, uh, their big goal was to keep their head above water. And it showed the challenges that they had, the mental challenges to, to keep themselves encouraged, to think there was hope. In fact, at one point they could see an oil rig a long, far away, and they talked about it, and they realized it was miles away that they could never swim to it. And even if they did, how could they even climb up to the, and nobody would notice them down below. They'd look like just a little bobber in the water from that high up. And and they spent that whole day just scorching heat at night and getting blistered and sunburned and afraid of all of the things. And they literally at the, uh, the, the 11th hour began to give up hope and they knew that, that dehydration would kick in and they would begin to slip out of consciousness and they would, would drown and die. Just in that, that time, uh, they were rescued by the Coast Guard. So what how can we keep our head above water when all of the tide is coming and the waves are washing over us and the sun is beating down and, and we would rather be anywhere on the planet? Paul tells us three simple things about keeping our head above water. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. He says, rejoice always. You see, no matter what we're going through, there's always a reason to look around and I find something to have joy in. That even in the challenges of losing our jobs and some in our family, as you guys know, have lost their, uh, their jobs or have been laid off or unemployed or not able to earn their income. Even in that or in health challenges and some are missing on health care that they really could use at this moment. And, in the, and as days go on and the weeks go on, as this is probably going to heat up even more in our region, there's going to be a lot of reasons to, to lose hope and a lot of reasons to be discouraged and, and maybe even have some fear to creep in. But what God tells us to do is that we are to rejoice always, always, in the good times and the bad, all of them. I received, uh, my family and I, rather than posting so much on, on Facebook or social media, we just, in my extended family and immediate family, we just have a group chat. And, you know, there'll be the same stuff that goes on, you know, various gifts and various, what are you doing today? And what did you have for breakfast and whatever? And some other fun stuff. And 
My daughter who works uh, in a hospital in Poughkeepsie took a picture uh, just I think a couple of days ago. Remember all that heavy rain we had last weekend, just the, the dreariness and day after day after rain uh, that hit. And she took a picture from the top floor of her hospital there in Poughkeepsie and it overlooked the Hudson River and the Mid-Hudson uh, Valley Bridge. And she shared it with us. It was a bright, beautiful blue sky and sunny day. You see, in the middle of that, in the middle of the difficulty she has is her hospital is heating up and there's more people with a virus. In fact, she was likely exposed to it at some point along the way herself. She found a moment to have, have joy and to reflect and to look about what's going on. So for us, the first thing that we need to do is, as followers of Jesus is to put our eyes upon our Lord God. You see, there's no situation that we face that we can't look up and realize that there's a God in heaven who's bigger than all of this. No matter what you're going through, Jesus is always bigger. He's always greater. He's always wiser and stronger. And he's always promised to care for those who follow him. So find those moments to, to rejoice in him. Now you and I have a couple of cho choices in that time. that It's going to hit in our lives where we don't feel much like finding joy. It's going to hit us to where we're just like, I can't do that. I don't feel like singing right now. My soul is not feeling that. I'm, I'm feeling the opposite. And in that moment, we have two choices to make. We can say, one, ain't going to happen. Can't do it, God. I know you tell me I'm supposed to do this, but I just don't feel like it. So I'm going to give up and I'm going to throw in the towel. Or we can say, God, you tell me that I'm supposed to have joy right now. I don't really feel like it, God. But God, if you tell me to do that, it must be possible. So I want to admit that I'm struggling with this. And God, I'm going to ask your help. And in fact, God, I'm going to, I'm going to ask forgiveness that I've been allowing my eyes to focus a little too much on what's going on, a little too much about worst case scenarios. I've read a few too many articles in Doomsday and believe in too much of the media stuff. And God, I've forgotten you. You see... When we don't have joy, it's because our eyes are off of God. No matter how bleak the circumstances are, we can have joy. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be grieving and that we shouldn't be aware of the difficulty. In fact, I'll share with you in a minute, it's the exact opposite. But it means that we can still have joy in the middle of the challenges. So that's the first thing that'll keep your head above water. Find joy in God and something that can never be touched, never be moved, and you will keep your head above water. Second thing he says is to pray without ceasing. Pray constantly. You see, prayer is, is where our source of hope is found. Prayer does two things. Prayer declares our dependence on God. God, I'm not enough. This situation's too big for me. God, I can't make it. God, I'm, I'm struggling. But at the same time as we declare our insufficiency and our dependence on God, we're declaring God to be sufficient. We're declaring God to be the wise one when we don't know what to do. We're declaring God to be the strong one. We're de declaring God to be the rich one when in the middle of our poverty and not sure how we're going to make ends meet. So prayer really is a declaration of our need. But we go to God and say, God, I don't have what I need. God, would you please provide for me? And as we do that, this is, for, this is for our good. God doesn't need our prayers to know the difficulty we're in. He's aware of everything that's going on. But what God does is this changes our heart. And it, and, it, and it gets us into reality that, yes, we are in need. Yes, the situation is bad. Yes, this is really difficult. 
But yes, God is a God who loves and he's a God who cares and he's a God who saves and he's a God who responds to those who follow him that are his children that are saved by his son Jesus. And it's our hope and our declaration as we reach out to him. Now notice that prayer should be something that we do without ceasing. Now that doesn't mean that literally every second of every, every moment of every second of every minute of every hour of the day that you should do nothing but pray. Let's be honest, there's very few things that I can do 24-7. Breathing is one of those things I like to do constantly without ceasing. I can't think of very many other things in life that I can do without that. It's just, that's not what it means. What it does mean is this. It means that you and I are constant. That there's never a day that goes by that we're not reaching out to God in prayer declaring our need, asking for His intervention and His work in our lives, praying for those around us. And there's never a season or a time even in that day when we get into a fix or whatever is going on in life that we don't look up and say, God, I'm depending on you today. Say, I don't care if you're, whether you're a surgeon, that you, before you start surgery, God, would you help me to do my best? You might be doing a very most routine surgery, but God, I can mess this up. Would you help me, God? God, would you help me as I take care of my kids? God, would you help me as I do the mundane things in life? God, I want to honor you. See, our life should be one in constant talking and communion with God. Social, God, let me say it this way. God never practices social distancing. Can I get a, a, an agreement that we are all kind of tired of that? Um, the introverts in the world are like, this has been the greatest thing in the world. We should declare, you know, uh, every year, April 1st is social distancing day. The extroverts are like, oh, I'm dying. I want to be around you introverts. I need some energy. But what we need to know is that God never practices social distancing. He wants us to go to him constantly in that relationship with him, praying. And as we do that, our head's above water. We find our joy in him. We find our hope in Him. We're not ignoring the problem. We're not dismissing it. We're not like, oh, there is no problem. I got this covered. We're not being arrogant or foolish. We're recognizing how difficult it is, but we're saying, God, you're the solution. This, is, this isn't prayer of desperation. I mean, we may be desperate, but this is a prayer of just constantly, God, I trust you. You got this. You got me. God, I'm going to you in prayer. So rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And then the third way, third thing, give thanks in all circumstances. Thank God in every circumstance of life, good and bad, easy, difficult, hot or cold, that we should find in those opportunities moments to give thanks God for. I want to challenge you, church. Maybe as, after you finish watching this, if you're there with uh, someone else or maybe your family, or even if you're there alone, maybe if you're there alone, write these down. I don't know if you write things down, your thoughts, like in a, a journal or a prayer journal or a diary or whatever, but I want to I challenge you to think of three things right now that you're thankful for in the middle of this. Three things that you just say, wow, God, I, I'm thankful you know, it's so obvious to me, and as difficult as all of this has been, that it's amazing to me how God has prepared our church to be ready for these things, and churches in general. Had this happened 20, 25 years ago, we as a church would be struggling. Well, we wouldn't have existed, but those churches that were around then 
would be struggling hard to bless and help and encourage and to stay connected. I'm grateful for the technology. I'm, I'm grateful that God is taking care of us. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunities that we do have and for the family that we have. You see, when you step back and say, wait a minute, that gratitude really brings into focus the whole picture. We tend to bring into focus the, the, the immediate part of the picture and we miss the whole thing. But when we give God props and rejoice in Him, and when we, we pray and we trust Him and find our hope in Him, and then we turn around, we're already grateful for what He's already done and we're grateful for what He's going to do, then our clear mind gets, it gets right with the world around us that we have, we can live with our head high above the waters and we don't have to drown and go down with the ship as it were. And it's, it's something that is real, that is tangible. And notice that he tells us that these things we're to do, they're not suggestions. They're not even good ideas. Like this is the will of God, he says in verse 18, in Christ Jesus for you. He says, guys, this is my will. Sometimes as followers of Christ, we want, you know, what does God want me to do? I want to pray for God's will. And we, oh, I don't know what God's will is. Well, can I tell you, he just told us what his will is. This is what he wants us to do. Many people are asking, you know, and right now the conversations that they're having, like, why is this happening? You know, why? How am I going to make it? I, I want us to recognize that what God is doing is he is giving us an opportunity to focus on him, to find our hope in that which is truly hopeful, not wishful thinking, not little strategies that really don't affect us, but that we can walk through the fire and the challenges by our hope and faith being placed in our Lord Jesus and following him. That's the first thing that Paul tells us. I told you I was going to, there's four thing, big things here, but I'm going to really focus on a couple. The last will be quick. The second big thing that he tells us is notice that he tells us to keep our heart open to God. How do you go through these difficult times? When the difficult times hit, we tend to focus in close and we tend to close up. And what God is saying is be careful. Keep your heart open to God. Look what the Bible says in verse 19. Do not quench, as in dump a bucket of water. No, no uh, ice bucket challenges here on the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is a fire in our heart and our soul, and we're told not to put that out. He says, also, do not despise prophecies. In other words, the, the speaking of God's Word, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, but instead, test everything and hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Well, there's a tendency when the crises hit and the big things of life hit for you and I to close up and we begin to get tunnel vision. And, and when, when the threat hits, the adrenaline pumps, we get closed in. And if we're not careful, we have trouble focusing. I think college students and, and school students are having trouble focusing right now as they're busy working on Zoom and trying to do their stuff. This is such a, a change and so uncomfortable and so unnormal for us. And families that are, cannot operate in the same rhythm of life and beginning to, you know, vacations are getting canceled and people had tri trips and plans and Easter and now spring break is canceled, all of that. And it's easy for us to, to, to begin to, to, to get just so focused in that. And what, what God is challenging us this morning is to 
open your heart. Keep your head above water by focusing on Him. But keep your heart open to God and let Him to still speak into your heart and soul. You see, people are asking the why question and they're asking the how question. Why is God letting this happen? If God is good, why is this happening? How in the world am I going to make it through this? I, I want to suggest to you that there's actually a couple of questions that are better than those questions. And those questions are, what is God trying to tell me in the middle of all of this, me personally? And who is God? What is God trying to reveal about, about himself? Who is he really? And how can I know him more? You see, if we've learned anything as we've kind of walked through First Thessalonians is God's got this. And God's got us, and that even if the world around us begins to fall apart, that God ultimately, for those who follow him and know him, he will be there for good, and he will be there as, as a way of salvation. And what God is trying to do is he's trying to help the world to know better who he is. He wants people to, to ask the question of him, who are you really, God? Because I don't get this. And God, what are you trying to tell me? If you haven't paused, if you in the middle of all of this and say, God, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to know about you? What is there about you that I need to know? God, who are you and can I know you better? I want to encourage you this weekend to, to pause and ask God those questions and make a commitment in your heart, regardless if you've been a follower of Jesus for your whole life or you've never been to church in your life and you're just not, not sure even who God is. I want to challenge you to pray this prayer. God, who are you really? And God, I, I really would like to know you more. And God, what is it you're trying to teach me? What are you trying to tell me? You see, we need to, to, to step back and let God speak into the quietness. And that's what God is telling us here in verse 19. He's saying, don't quench. Don't put out what God is trying to say in your life. Don't put out the Holy Spirit, who is God, the Holy Spirit living inside of his children. Don't put him off. Don't put out what he's trying to communicate. You see, the Holy Spirit's job, the Bible tells us in the Gospel of John, is to lead us into truth. He's to teach truth to us. It's his job to point back to all the things that Jesus told us about. And so we shouldn't quench him because in the middle of the crises, instead, we should be opening our heart. God, what are you trying to say to me? In fact, we should be slowing life down a little bit more than speeding it up or getting stir-crazy or wound up. We should be saying, God, this is different. I, God, I don't know how to walk in these waters. I don't know how to work for home. God, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent and make the bills work. God, God, would you speak to me? Would you help me? God loves to answer those kinds of prayers. He wants us to be open to what he's saying. And what he's saying to us is, some, is in relation to his word. That's the second part of this. Don't despise prophecies. We could talk quite a bit about that, about what exactly is prophecy. And honestly, it's beyond the scope and the time that we have this morning. But in essence, prophecies are God's words spoken to us. They're his words coming to us. And the, the surest place that I know to find that is in this book called a Bible. That's the words that God has attested to for thousands and thousands of years that either, that in every continent and of every, all over the world, people recognize that, not as a manipulated source of truth, but as a genuine source of truth in their life. 
God wants to speak to us through his word, those, those truths to answer those difficult questions of life. I want to encourage you and point you, if you're asking those questions, to the book of Psalms. The book, that book speaks to the heart of God and how God acts in, in real life. And I believe wherever, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, that if you will commit to asking God those questions, who are you? What do you want me to know, God? And I really want to hear those, and I will act on those answers. And if you are willing to open God's Word and look at the book of Psalms, and if you were to do that and say maybe look at the, the book, the Gospel of Luke or Mark, and to really open in with who Jesus really is, that God will speak in the middle of those things because those are the questions that we should be asking because God wants us to, to open our heart to Him in the middle of the difficulty, in the middle of the challenges. And if we do that, here's a third thing that I want you to realize, and I won't spend a lot of time on this, but this actually is more important than the first two. Notice what the third thing that we need to know if we're to handle this crisis well that we're in, and really any crises, but this one in particular. Look what he says in verse 23. Paul shifts gears. The writer of this in 1 Thessalonians, his name was Paul, and he shifts gears. He says, this is his wish and his prayer for the church. He says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, good church word, completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body, everything about you, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Get this. He who is faithful calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Hey church, what he's saying is church, I pray. My hope is that the God of heaven himself will be the one that sanctifies you, sets you apart is what that means, that, that makes you holy, that makes you godly, makes you blameless, that you will experience all of the life changes, what we talk about here at River, that God has for you changing your body, your soul, your mind, everything in this. And church, he is surely going to do it. He's going to finish that work that he began in you. Here's what Paul is telling us for our purposes. Guys, the reason we have hope and can trust in God, and the reason we can ask God, would you speak into our heart, is because what God is really after in our lives is to change our lives through His Son, Jesus. You see, what God really wants to do is not just give us hope so we can hold our head high. He doesn't want to just calm our nerves to help us get over and get through our anxiety. He, he will help us with those things if we rejoice and pray and thank Him, give Him thanksgiving regularly. Most needs for medications, I'm convinced, would go away. Not all, but most if we would be willing to take those steps. But he offers that to the world, but only those individuals that really have that relationship with God, that have that saving relationship through his son, Jesus Christ, who are waiting the coming of Jesus because they, he is their Lord and they have a commitment to him. Only to those individuals are the ones who, who have these promises and this joy. See, God wants to, God offers that to the world, that help and that hope and that restoration. But only those individuals who come to God on his terms through his son Jesus as Lord or boss of their life actually receive it. See, that's, that's what Easter is all about that's coming up next week, is that God loved this world so much 
that he knew this world was condemned. This world was doomed to die. This world was in trauma. Every individual and soul in this world was wrapped up into living life their own way and their own disobedience and doing the best they knew how to do, but it wasn't good enough. And because of that sin, this whole world was plunged into a, 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 a death and darkness. And so God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to this world to die in the place of people, of sinners like you and me. So that when we finally realize that our sin is a problem to God and we've offended a holy God in heaven, but we realize that God put our punishment on Jesus and that he rose from the dead on the third day on Easter 2,000 years ago, that we put our faith in him and that alone to be what makes us good and forgive us of our sin. And we turn away from that junk in our life And for one time, for all time, say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life. I know that you died on the cross. Would you forgive me and save me? When we enter into that relationship with him, we, the Bible says, are declared righteous, godly. And God calls us into that salvation. That's what I just talked about, that God calls us. And he is going to complete that. That's what that whole sanctification is about, is that God is going to complete that extreme makeover of our soul. It is to those individuals that God gives these promises. So for some of you this morning, you've never made that commitment to simply say, God, I want Jesus to be in charge of my life. I know that I've done my own thing. I know that I'm guilty. I know I've made excuses. I've relied on other things like religions or being a part of a certain denomination or being a good person. And I realize none of those things can work. I want Jesus to save me. I trust him and him alone. Some of you need to hit the pause button on the video right now and to genuinely pray that prayer before God. Now, if you're not feeling that or you're not sure what all that means, go back to what I said earlier. God... I'm interested in that. That's caught my attention, but I'm not there yet. God, who are you really, and what do you want me to know? Go back to that and allow God to take you through that process. But for some of you, you've been in that journey for a while, and you need to take that commitment. Hit the pause button and ask Jesus to save you and forgive you and to enter into that relationship with him. And when you do, you have all the promises that we just talked about. Last thing, and I'm done, number four. How you're going to make it through all of this is not only to keep your head above water, not only keep your heart open to God, but allow God, that was the third thing, allow God to do his work inside of you. And the fourth thing is to care for one another. Paul finishes this little passage here, 1 Thessalonians. He says, brothers, pray for us. We should recognize that we as a church family are in this together and we should be praying for one another. If Paul requested prayer, we all need it, myself included. And then he says, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. (laughs) I love that. Uh, Obviously, they were not practicing social distancing at this time. Uh, I don't think that word had been invented yet. In my culture, the only people I kiss are my wife, my my mom, and my my daughters. Um, And all three of those kisses are very different. For some people, we don't kiss. In other cultures, they do kiss. You know what he's really saying? This is a culturally based thing. He's saying, engage one another with respect and care and love and commitment. Now, folks, we're separated from each other right now, but that doesn't mean that we can't care. And that doesn't mean we can't love and we can't respect. In our 
Our hugs and our greetings and our connections are going to look differently. But Paul tells us to do two things. Care for one another by praying for one another and by reaching out and greeting one another with that love and that care. So I want to urge you, church, to, to do that. Reach, continue as you have been to have those conversations with one another and be careful and intentional about it. I've had a couple of moments of discouragement in this. I've had two, first weekend and then this week, Monday, just sense of inadequacy and the challenges of, of navigating life and ministry and helping people in the middle of, of all of this. Um, people need encouragement. And so I want to urge you to do that. Folks, if we do this, this virus is not going away tomorrow. We, we know we're all looking at the same news feeds. The month of April, our, our kids aren't going to be in school. I could be wrong, but it sure seems that way the whole month. And April or May is in question in my mind. I think it's just extending that far. Nobody really knows how long this is going on. But I do want us to recognize that we're going to have a, be at risk of being discouraged more and more as this happens and as this goes on. And so more and more, we need to focus on these simple things that Paul told us about today, to, to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, to thank Him in everything, to, to keep our heart open to God. God, what are you trying to say to me? Sometimes we're so focused on being busy, and i got a hunch God wants us to just to chill and to listen and let Him talk into our soul as a church and as a people and care for one another and reach out to one another. So we as a church this week, um, so I want to challenge you with those things uh, right now. After you, after you hit this button and turn this off, to take some time to pray as a family and talk about those things. Maybe thank God for some of those. Respond as God is speaking to you this morning and, and definitely do that. Uh, a few couple of last little things just for us as a church. You guys know you've, you've gotten emails that we are going to do uh, online life groups Sunday night through Thursday night. So pick one of those and hop into it. We hope you can be consistent that, you know, even if you can't make the first one, that you can maybe make the next ones. Or uh, we, we're trying to do it in a way that to build community. So find one and settle into it and stay with that group. And if you want to go to more than one, that's fine. But uh, we want you to, to certainly to dial in with that. We think that'll go a long way. Um, and, and also, as we know, Easter is not happening. You know, we're not doing Talisintha. You probably already figured that one as well. But uh, we are doing, and as you know in that email that we've sent out, that uh, some people are asking, how do we help those who have lost their jobs or needs? Our church has already stepped up and given significant support, some financial support. Uh, God's blessed us as a church, and we know our first priority is people, and so we've already done that. If that's something that you want to help with, uh, you can go online and see how to do that, or you can, um, you know, you can send a check in or whatever. But we are t making a priority of taking care of the people that God has here. So I appreciate you. If we can do something for you, call. Let's stay connected. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.